anti-GMO movement, I think, initially was a lot about transparency, right? The fact that this was in our food and nobody was telling us, right? it was being hidden from us. And so if it's being hidden, then it must be bad or dangerous. Like why, otherwise, why would you hide it? And I think that that was a huge misstep by the industry. And I would also argue that some of the use cases that it was applied to were also like unsavory and missteps by the industry. And, and so unfortunately what happened there was that a, a technology that is just fundamentally an advancement in, in our ability to do things better got sort of conflated with a, with a lot of this, like a lot of these really bad practices. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmet. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello and welcome back to the Art of Living Well podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I thought I would just mention before we kick off this episode that we had a wonderful community event last week in Minnesota. And I want to give a shout out to our other co-host because it was just wonderful to be in person, in community with like-minded people, moving our body, nourishing our body and soul, and then Everyone walked away with a tangible action step through a guided session that Marnie and I did with them. And the yoga class was led by Michelle from Layers Yoga, who was a previous guest, number 49. And then we had this just super nourishing, beautifully prepared and very delicious meal by Sarah Hagen, who owns Vitalist Foods. And she was a guest on episode 168. And we just got such wonderful feedback and we can't wait to offer more local community events and opportunities. So if you do live in the Twin Cities, make sure that you're on our newsletter list and you're following us on Instagram so that you're able to attend one of these upcoming sessions. And speaking of which, we have our next in-person event, which will be a morning lakeside yoga class on August 27th in Deep Haven, Minnesota. And that will be led by the wonderful Andrea from Breathe and Be Yoga. And it will class will start at 9.15. And it'll just be a wonderful to be outside overlooking Lake Minnetonka. And you can sign up and reserve your spot by heading to our show notes or clicking the link in our Instagram bio. Marnie and I are really excited to share today's amazing guest, Zach Abbott, who is the CEO and co-founder of ZBiotics and the inventor of ZBiotics proprietary technology. Zach has a PhD in microbiology and immunology from the University of Michigan, where he studied bacterial gene regulation. And prior to starting ZBiotics, Zach worked in clinical trial design, as well as researching HIV vaccines and pursuing novel antibiotics in both academia and industry. Now, don't let this impressive resume scare you. We're not going to geek out too much in this episode, but Zach will do such a good job of explaining our microbiome and the bacteria in our gut and how it impacts our behavior, hormones, and overall our body's performance. 
And what I love is that he takes these very complex topics and does a great job of explaining it with lots of easy to follow examples and analogies. So in this conversation, Zach dives in and talks about how alcohol is absorbed and metabolized in our body and how his company has created a genetically engineered probiotic. Yes, we're talking about genetically modified organisms here that can actually help you feel better the day after drinking. So you're going to learn about the the byproduct, the toxic byproduct called acetaldehyde that ends up in your gut to be metabolized before it goes into your bloodstream. A lot of times we just think that our the alcohol goes straight into our blood and yes it does, but there is part of it that ends up in your gut. And Zbiotic, his company, created a probiotic to help your body break down this byproduct so that you don't feel like crap the next day after drinking alcohol. We also talk about GMOs and how genetically engineered products can actually be beneficial and used safely. And Zach will dive into how his product is different than, say, genetically modified corn. Zach shares how Zbiotics is on a mission to engineer products to help make healthy people healthier. And he also shares that they have a pipeline of products in the works that will allow, you know, health conscious people who want to function at their highest level. And I just want to make it clear that this is not a get out of jail free card for anyone to just go out there and drink irresponsibly or binge drink. It's really for people who have already put into place good habits around drinking and who want to be able to go to that early morning workout class or have a clear head the next day at work after enjoying maybe a couple glasses of alcohol the night before with friends or at dinner or at a social occasion. Marty and I have both used Zbiotic on multiple occasions and speaking from personal experience, I have definitely noticed a benefit and have experienced fewer negative physical side effects from drinking alcohol, which I share during this conversation. And of course, we recommend that you drink responsibly and limit your consumption of alcohol and ideally drink you know, high quality, low sugar organic beverages. Zach has a special offer for all of our listeners and you can head on over to Zbiotics and purchase his product and receive 15% off using the code LIVINGWELL15. And with that, let's jump right in to this awesome conversation with Zach Abbott. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Good Health Saunas. I have had my Good Health Sauna for over a year now, and you guys, I love it so much. From the moment of purchase to the delivery and setup, Good Health Sauna staff, they've been absolutely amazing. They've answered all my questions. They did a great job with the setup. And I have started this routine where I'm working out in the morning, I'm taking a sauna, I'm showering, I'm refreshed, and I feel great for the day. And I just feel relaxed during the day. I'm sleeping better at night. And I feel like I'm really adding to my overall health and happiness. And I'm also removing toxins from my body. And I feel amazing. Infrared saunas produce penetrating heat to help you sweat and heal your body from the inside. Sweating on a regular basis in your good health sauna can help you feel rejuvenated. There are so many health benefits of regular infrared sauna use that include detoxification, immune system support, muscle repair, chronic pain relief, relaxation, deeper sleep, and so much more. I've been using my sauna now regularly for the last several weeks and love how relaxed I feel, especially when I do it in the evening as part of my routine. It really helps me unwind from the day and improve my sleep. 
So why not bring the benefits and convenience of the sauna experience into your home with a commercial grade Good Health Sauna? Good Health Sauna has three stores, one at the Mall of America in Minnesota and two in Wisconsin, in Appleton and Waukesha, but they ship anywhere in the U.S. For more information on the various sizes and options and for your special offer for all of our listeners, head on over to their website, www.goodhealthsaunas.com and mention the Art of Living Well podcast. Hi, Zach. We are really excited to have you on our show today to talk about um, Z-Biotics and this amazing new, very innovative probiotic that you created. And I remember when I first heard you on Dave Asprey's podcast, I was so intrigued because I'd honestly never heard of it before. And just the fact that I that you, that you created something that could actually help people, you know, with the negative effects that they feel after drinking alcohol, that I immediately reached out to you on Instagram. And here we are today. So thank you so much for joining us on our show. Totally. Well, I'm excited to be here. And yeah, I'm really excited about exactly what we're building and kind of inventing new things um, for the world of kind of health, uh, as opposed to um, kind of just grabbing the same old stuff and putting it into new bottles. So I'm really excited to chat with you all about it. Great. Well, before we kind of dive into what we are here to talk about, we would love for you to share what is your one non-negotiable to start each day? I think it's probably my morning smoothie. Um, it's really the thing that uh, gets me going, makes me feel healthy, makes me feel like I got started uh, uh, off on the right foot. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's kind of like a really necessary beginning of the day. Without that, I think my day, my day just is, gets off on the wrong foot. Okay. So I have to ask you what's in your smoothie because Marnie and I also do a smoothie pretty much every single day. Oh, and so, awesome. well, good. Yeah. We should, I'd like to hear what's in yours then too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mine is, uh, it's kale and then, um, um, uh, berries. Um, and then like, so usually blueberries or strawberries. And then, uh, I put in chia and flax and then either water or soy milk, depending, um, on what I have available. And then that's, yeah, that's usually it. Awesome. Okay. I love hearing no about different smoothies. Other well, than you know, seeds. chia and flax, right. The and then seeds. the soy milk. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Uh, soy milk is, yeah. is uh, yeah. So I used to put it in a protein powder. Honestly, I ran out and I didn't miss it. And so, <laughs> uh, so I, uh, but I, I, I do think that occasionally, or occasionally I'll put in some Greek yogurt. I do try to get like 10 to 15 grams of protein in the morning, plus the seeds, because that's not complete protein. So yeah, hit nice. or miss on the protein, I guess. But uh, yeah. <laughs> So Zach, I know that, you know, you've had quite a journey and we'd love to hear how you ended up genetically engineering pre-alcohol probiotics. Like that's such a mouthful. Like <laughs> <laughs> We do need to get better at explaining that. I think and like, and like a tighter thing, but yeah, uh, I guess my journey. So I used to, so after, after I got from college, I, I was sort of bouncing around different jobs, not sure what I wanted to do. And, uh, and I ended up First working in a in a chemistry lab and then uh, environmental chemistry and then but I was really interested in in human health and, and public health and so through a friend I was able to get a job as a as a research technician um, at, a, at an HIV lab uh, studying HIV and I just really loved that it really scratched the itch that I thought I wanted it confirmed that I was interested in that and so I decided to go back um, to school and get a, a PhD in in microbiology and so uh, started to my PhD and thinking I was going to study HIV or, or, or potentially viral infection. And, but through, you know, 
circumstances and, and, and fate and everything, I ended up just doing a rotation in a bacteriology lab and really falling in love with that. And so studying bacteria instead of viruses. And at first I was still very much interested in like the disease aspect of it and, and the idea of like, you know, learning about that and preventing that. But as I got to know bacteria better throughout the course of my PhD, I actually realized that that's just a very small sliver of of human interaction with bacteria. The vast majority of our interactions with bacteria are either neutral or positive, not negative. Um, we obviously know the most about sort of the negative interactions because they're the most kind of like, you know, urgent uh, or important when they happen. But, um, you know, throughout your entire day, you're interacting with all these bacteria. They're doing all these incredible things for you. And the more I learned about that, the more I realized that that was a very cool and exciting um, path and lever. And so, so that got me interested in, in sort of beneficial microbes and, and beneficial interactions and, 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 and led me down the path of thinking about probiotics, right? As like, these are probiotics are generally considered to be, you know, good bacteria that you can eat that somehow will benefit you in some way. But as I, you know, looked into it more and researched it more, realizing that most of the probiotics that were on the market weren't really providing a lot of benefit for people in most cases. Like most of them are lactobacillus or bifidobacteria. Uh, those are like the two most common kinds, um, although there are others. And that's not really part, those, neither of those bacteria are really part of a healthy adult microbiome. And, and there are like some studies that show that that they can be beneficial to some people sometimes, but then there are other studies that show they don't do anything. And I think that that, that both are true. That like, I think that the, the thing you could say about probiotics as they exist is that they are, they can help some people sometimes and, um, but not always. And, and I think that's in part because you have this huge community in your gut of, of bacteria um, and they live in there and it's called the microbiome. And, and this big, community, a network of bacteria is doing all of these things. And they're living in this kind of like ecosystem in your gut. And they're also interacting with your cells and, and your biology too. And that ecosystem is constantly changing. And so your microbiome and mine are totally different. Um, and your microbiome today and your microbiome, you know, in three months is also going to be very different. And so the idea that like this, like, you know, this commercially produced like lactobacillus or something is going to get in there into everybody's different community and uniformly have like a benefit is, you know, not realistic. And indeed it's, it's not what we see. Right. And so, so it makes sense that some scientific studies show a benefit in some people and then not others. It's probably because the differences in their microbiome and their biology and their makeup. And so, so to me, that felt like an opportunity, right? Like we had this thing, this, this potential, this, this very cool tool, right? This, this whole microbial community and you have these good bacteria and they can do all these great things for you. And like, how could we then make that more specific or more directed and rather than sort of just right now, we sort of just take things essentially fundamentally out of the ground and give them to you and say, I, I hope this helps you in some way. But instead of doing that, like taking that out of the ground and then like refining that um, into a very specific tool. So like one of the analogies I use is like, you know, imagine like, going into a, a mine and like pulling out like a hunk of like iron ore out of the mountain. And then just like handing and like, you know, getting a bunch of these and just handing them out to people and saying like, Hey, you can use this as a tool for whatever you might want. Like maybe it'll pound in a nail or screw in a screw. I don't really know, but here, there you go. Like go for it. Um, and this will universally help you. And it probably wouldn't. Right. But then we could take that hunk of iron ore and refine it down and shape it into a hammer and say that this is a very specific thing uh, that forms a very specific function that could be beneficial to you. It's just like hammering and nails. Um, and so, so that's kind of what I saw as the opportunity was take these bacteria and then refine them in some way that made them do a very specific function that would be uniform for everybody who used them. And so that's, that was kind of like the fundamental idea behind Zbiotics. 
Wow. So how did you, I mean, yeah. And you did Sorry, such a great a way we of could explaining. Zoom in on, we could zoom in on that. I, I apologize. I know it's a lot of things. Well, I feel like we could talk just about probiotics because, you know, I think yeah. a couple of years ago, Marnie and I would have said, yeah, everyone needs a probiotic. And now our views are shifting around that as well. And there's a lot of different research. And so I love that you touched on that. I mean, I guess before we even get into like the actual product here, can we just yeah. dive in and talk a little bit about the gut microbiome? Because yes. it sounds like that was really where you became passionate about during your PhD. And it's really at the heart of why you started Zbiotics. So can you talk high level a little bit more about the microbiome? I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, maybe even also touching on like, what do we know about the microbiome and behaviors and hormones and our over our bodies, like overall performance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the sheer vastness of the microbiome, I think is, is a good place to start, right? That like you have roughly like about, I guess, like three or thir- sorry, like 30 trillion human cells in your body. And you have about 38 trillion bacterial cells in your body. Um, so even though by size, we're obviously more human cells, the bacterial cells are smaller than human cells, but like by number, we're actually more bacteria than human, which is pretty cool to think about. And like, and so really like when I, I think a more accurate way, when we think about like who, like who I am and like what, what I am, it's like, we think of ourselves as this like human kind of like navigating through the world, this like single entity, but what we're really probably more accurately describes this is, is like a walking ecosystem. Like if you picture a pond and it's got all these different animals living in it, right. And they all interact with each other. That's more like what we are and what most animals are, um, is sort of like a moving ecosystem. And so we're putting food in and, and then the ecosystem is benefiting from that. And so the microbiome is incredible. And, and, and in many ways it has shaped the way we look, um, and the way we function, um, is to, to fundamentally benefit itself. And so in many ways, like, you know, uh, one of the experiments I, I talk about that I think is a really cool explanation of what I mean here is like, so stepping away, but I promise I'll bring it back around. Um, you have like, uh, they can do these experiments in mice that are genetically identical, right? So two mice that are, that are, you know, for all intents and purposes, identical twins, um, totally genetically the same, all their cells are the same. Um, and they can have mice and, and they can make mice that have no bacteria in no microbiome, no bacteria at all. They're called germ-free. They have, they're completely sterile. And, and then what they can do is what's really interesting is then you can do these experiments where you transfer in different microbiomes into the mice. Right. Um, and so you can take the microbiome from a mouse that is, uh, uh so, you know, so again, genetically identical mice, but have microbiomes. And, and so one has like, is a lean mouse. Um, uh, and then one's like an obese mouse. And then you can take the microbiome from the lean mouse or the obese mouse and transfer it into its, its genetically identical twin that it's germ-free. And then that mouse will, its body type will change, right? So if it gets the microbiome, so just the bacteria from a, from a, from an obese mouse, it will start to eat more and it will get, you know, it will, it will get overweight. Uh, and so nothing about its brain or its cells or anything or, or its decision-making changed, right? It was the same mouse. All it changed was the bacteria that were in the mouse. And so the bacteria were basically telling the mouse to eat more. Um, and, and, and then it was absorbing more of the nutrients from its food. It was getting fatter. Um, so I joke that like, you know, if you are to walk into a restaurant and you know, cognitively that you should order the salad, but you end up ordering the burger when the, when the, when the, you know, waiter comes over. Who was making that decision? Were you making that decision or were the bacteria in your gut making that decision, right? I mean, because they like genuinely can affect the way you you behave. And so, so we think of ourselves as this ecosystem, right? And like, and even just the way we're structured and, and our digestive system and everything and the way that our digestive system is attached to our brain, all of that has been shaped over, you know, millions and years of, of evolution. 
um, with co-evolving with these bacteria that live in us. Um, so they really are core and central to who we are and how we function. Even the language that our brain uses to communicate to itself, right? With these neurotransmitters, these chemicals that pass from one cell to another. And that's how we like pass signals through our nervous system. Those chemicals were actually invented. Many of them were invented by bacteria. Um, and we actually took the genes that encoded for those chemicals wholesale from a bacteria and put them into our cells. And then now we use those. So we essentially speak the same chemical language as bacteria in many ways. And, and they do, they communicate with us directly. They secrete chemicals into our, into our bloodstream and they go like, we have a direct like line of communication, like nervous system communication between our gut and our brain. And a lot of people have probably heard about the gut brain axis, which is like this communication between our gut and our brain, which makes sense, right? Like we aren't alive if we don't eat. So it makes sense that the brain and the gut are, you know, have a very important communication line and the bacteria can really plug into that line of communication. They can plug into that sort of like telephone line going between those two and give their own signals and say like, yes, like we want more carbs or, you know, or whatever, or like, or there's like a stressful situation. We detect a stressful situation and you should throw up. Um, and so there's all kinds of interesting things that happen there. So your cells or the bacteria in your microbiome are incredibly important to your overall biology. And, and another way to put this is so in addition to them having us having as many bacterial cells as human cells, the difference being that all of our human cells express the same genes, right? So every cell, they don't express, have the same genes, right? Um, so there's about 20,000 genes uh, in your D, encoded in your DNA, more or less, it, it changes all the time uh, in terms of what science says is how many we have, but, but, you know, <laughs> Uh, let's just call it about 20,000. And so each gene encodes for a protein that executes some function to keep you alive, right? And so all of your cells have the same kind of repertoire of about 20,000 genes, right? But and you have all these bacteria, you have the same number of bacteria as human cells, but all those bacteria have different genes and a different repertoire of proteins that they can do. And so, so actually we have, you know, um, I think it's like a thousand fold more bacterial genes in our body than human genes. So there are a thousand more functions that the bacteria are performing on your behalf than you are. So they're clearly very important to the, our diet and our metabolism and our brain development and our, uh, you know, our immune system and our ability to, to fight infectious disease, our ability to not become over-inflamed and have autoimmunity, but like um, suppress, um, you know, uh, uh, over-inflammation. All these things are, are core and uh, the microbiome is core and central to it. it affects our skin health, everything. It's really like central to everything we do. And it makes sense uh, kind of in the context of that, of that evolutionary history we have with them. Well, and I think it's, I mean, it's like you can't, you, we're hearing about it every single day, right? Right. First, yeah. it was just like the probiotics and the microbiome, and then it was the gut, the gut brain connection, and now it's the skin microbiome. Right. Yeah. Like it's kind of, you know, I, I feel like I've been watching this evolve over the last 10 years, and it's so interesting. And I, I feel like we haven't really scratched the surface on what we even know about the microbiomes in our bodies. I was just going to say, I love how you said we're walking ecosystems. I've never really heard humans described that way. And it's so true. And also that we're more bacteria than we are human. Like, that's kind of amazing, right? It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, who's serving who? We think of ourselves as humans, right. There are like, more of them with more genes, uh, you know, and they've been around a lot longer. Uh, they, they kind of know the world better than we do. So it, it's pretty amazing. That's it's yeah. It makes me think of sci-fi movies, but yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> and also, you know, you'll, people will talk about their genetic makeup and how, oh, I'm genetically predisposed to heart disease or cancer or diabetes or what have you. And it does, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you can, 
kind of outdo your genes, you can change your lifestyle and make different changes. And that sort of goes along the lines. That's what I'm starting to think about when you were talking, if, you know, there is more bacteria than, you know, just our regular human cells. So yeah, this is all really fascinating. Yeah, it's like a, it's a lever. I think that's why there's been so much excitement lately, right? You asked people 20 years ago, you know, I don't think anybody would have even heard of like any normal, you know, regular person would have ever heard of the microbiome. You know, it was a, it was sort of like this niche of academia that we were only first starting to understand ourselves really wasn't appreciated uh, until recently. And now I think there's all this excitement because of that exact idea, right? That like, it's this like very important and central, like essentially like organ system of the body. Like it's, you know, equivalent to a discovering that we had like another liver or something, you know, like, like this, this other organ of the body that we didn't ever even talk about before that is like impacts everything and is changeable, right? Like, like we can, like mm-hmm. we can affect that in, in certain ways through our diet and our behaviors and, and not totally. And I think that we're also learning that, that it's not as plastic as we would like it to be. Like um, there is some amount of like sort of microbiome memory. And so like, you know, you have this sort of core structure that is difficult to change. It takes a lot of effort to work against, but, um, but there is a lot of, of movement or motion there that isn't the same for other parts of your, you know, other systems of your body. So I think that's, what's so exciting is that like, we all of a sudden have some element of control, um, where we felt like we didn't before. Well, and it makes me think about, you know, personalized medicine and biohacking Mm -hmm. and all the things that are coming out you know, where you can tailor this test to you and you can do, you know, this to your sleep and this to your diet and all these different things. And I just feel like the more we unlock about the microbiomes in our body, the more we can biohack for longevity. And I I think maybe not for longevity, but I think what your product is doing is is one of those like biohacking kind of things when it comes to alcohol and drinking, right? So- We'd love to hear a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, I would argue that to some extent, indirectly, it is about longevity or, and about, or like, you know, healthy years and, and the mo- getting the most out of your, like longevity is only good if you're getting a lot out of that time, right? Like right. it doesn't matter right. if it's, if that time sucks. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, what we're building is exactly that, right. That like, and I think you bring up a really good point, Marnie, which is that we, there's all this excitement about things that we could do, but like, we're really just scratching the surface. Right. And like, and the more we learn, the more levers we have to pull. And, you know, I think there is a future in which once we've discovered more, we'll be able to have more of an impact on that. And so then looking at where we are in our understanding of the microbiome now, where, where we are from a practical standpoint, like what can we actually do about what we know? I think that we're still really at the beginning stages and, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so, so that's kind of, you know, was the backdrop for, for Zbiotics was that like, what were we going to build knowing what we know and knowing what we can do and what we can't, and we can't currently do. And so the idea here was that like this microbiome is really complex. It's this crazy network of, you know, the whole world's population or what, you know, way, 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 way more than that, uh, 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 of bacteria, right? Like in everybody's gut and it's constantly changing and moving and everything. It's like, what are, what are the things we could do? And so one of the things we realized early on was like, we're not going to be able to reliably affect your microbiome, right. In a way that will be helpful to you and me and to somebody else. Right. And so instead we could just leverage the fact that bacteria express all of these genes and perform all of these useful functions for you. And we could just program a bacteria to perform one very specific function in addition to everything else it already does. Just like give it that one extra thing and and make sure that that simple function is somehow beneficial to everybody. So it's not going to try and affect the whole community. It's just going to walk in there with like 
with a hammer in its hand, it's going to say like, I'm going to pound in all the loose nails, you know? Um, and, and that's what it's going to do. In addition to everything else that's already going on there. Um, and it's, so it's completely agnostic to what your microbiome looks like or what your biology is. It just walks in and it does this one task. And so, and so, you know, that, that, that's very simple idea, right? Like this big complex microbiome and it's affecting all your biology. Like, so we, you know, we're taking a baby step here, like just one little thing um, that could be better. And so that one little thing with our first product is a probiotic that's engineered to break down a, a toxic metabolic byproduct of alcohol. So when you drink alcohol, your body converts alcohol from alcohol into something else uh, called acetaldehyde, which is very toxic. And then it converts that acetaldehyde into something that's non-toxic, which is acetate. Acetate is essentially vinegar. And uh, non-toxic, actually, the short-chain fatty acid can be beneficial. But that intermediate is just a necessary kind of step on the way to getting it to be detoxified. Alcohol is toxic, and then this acetaldehyde is even more toxic, but then, then we get to acetate. And so what happens is that a small amount of the alcohol, most of the alcohol you drink is absorbed into your bloodstream and it circulates throughout your body and has the effects that alcohol has. That's why people drink it, right? And then, and then it makes its way to your liver and your liver breaks down in both of those steps uh, from alcohol to acetaldehyde and acetaldehyde to acetate. And it does both of them very effectively and very efficiently. And so once the alcohol is in the liver, liver can take care of it um, and, and detoxify it. And from acetate, all kinds of things happen. But in terms of the story about toxicity, you know, it's kind of, that, that's the end of the chain. So the story is a little bit different in your gut. I think one really, you know, we always think about like, how is alcohol broken down? Everybody knows, like, oh, the liver is important for alcohol. And that's true. Most of the alcohol is broken down that way, but a very small amount of the alcohol you drink is actually converted, is actually metabolized directly in your gut before it's absorbed out into the bloodstream, uh, before it basically gets into your body. Um, and and that, that's done in large part by your microbiome, by the bacteria that live in your gut. The, some of the alcohol before it's absorbed is, is broken down from, uh, you know, and alcohol is obviously like sterilizing, right? It's bad for bacteria. And so they have, they have genes that can break the alcohol down into acetaldehyde, but it's less common for them to break that acetaldehyde down into acetate. And so what happens is that like that small amount of alcohol is being converted into this very toxic intermediate acetaldehyde. And that's happening slowly all night long while you're drinking. Um, and so even though it's a very minor source of alcohol metabolism, it ends up being the major source of this very toxic molecule, acetaldehyde. So you actually get this huge accumulation of acetaldehyde in your gut. Like acetaldehyde in the gut is 10 to, uh, wait, was it? Yeah, uh, like 10 times higher than it is in the bloodstream. And so, uh, because liver is very good at it, right? And so then, but then what happens is this acetaldehyde accumulates in the gut and then it slowly leaks out in the bloodstream slowly all night long, circulates throughout your body, the same way alcohol does, wreaks havoc, and then it makes its way to the liver where it's quick, quickly broken down. Um, and so basically you have this just like slow release of this toxin all night uh, when you're drinking. So we thought, why don't we just move that function, the liver breaking down acetate, acetate into the gut. And so we took a probiotic bacteria that you eat every day and just gave it that one extra function. Uh, so it, you know, instead of walking around with a hammer, pounding in loose nails, it walks around uh, with sort of, I don't know what, what the analogy would be, but like, you know, it walks around and basically finds acetaldehyde and, and gets rid of it, like with a mop and, and it sort of mops up those little, those little uh, spots, uh, you know, before they get absorbed in the bloodstream. Hey guys, Stephanie and I are loving this new product from Keon that we have been trying probably for like the last, I don't know, four to six weeks now. It's Keon Pure Plant-Based Amino Acids. It's a premium blend of essential amino acids in a convenient, delicious drink mix. I really like the cool lime and the mixed berry. Um, and these are fantastic for before a workout, after a workout. 
You feel energized. It boosts athletic recovery. It supports really lean muscle mass. Um, There's all nine essential amino acids, and there's no artificial ingredients, which we both love. When I was traveling, I didn't bring them with me, and I definitely noticed a difference. So... I highly recommend trying. It's it like I said, it's great before and after your workout. Kion also has some other products. A couple we want to mention. They have mold-free coffee, which is fantastic for people that drink coffee. And they also have a great whey protein powder. My daughter has been using it in her smoothies on a daily basis. So we have a code, it's Art of Living. And you can get 10% off single products or 15% off bundles or 20% off a subscription, which is what I'm doing now because I'm using my amino acids pretty much every day. So go check out www.getkion.com and use the code ARTOFLIVING. Can I ask uh, you a quick question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can we back up for one second? Yeah, totally. I, I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but acidaldehyde. Yeah, acid aldehyde. Yeah. Acid aldehyde. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for someone who drinks daily or isn't, let's say, even like an alcoholic, are they accumulating large amounts of acidaldehyde? Acidaldehyde. Acidaldehyde in their gut. That's like building up over time. Oh, no. Or so it is it something that's breaking down every time you're drinking? Every time you're drinking. So it doesn't build up. It's not, doesn't like bioaccumulate like, like a metal or something like that. So it's a, it's just a highly, it's a very reactive molecule, which is why okay. it's so toxic. So it can bind to like proteins and DNA and it can, and it's very soluble. So it can pass through cell membranes. So it basically has like, full unfettered access to your body, uh, and oh. every, every nook and cranny of your body. And, uh, and when it gets in there, it's, it's, you know, it, it reacts with things. And, and so it has, there's all this chemistry that you don't want it to do. Uh, and so, so that's really, but, but all that happens relatively quickly, you know, so each molecule that side is being formed is sort of like it, 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 it reacts quickly. And so then you're only making acid out of the while you're drinking. And when you stop drinking, it's, you know, you don't really make any more. And then like basically over the next couple of hours, that acetaldehyde is going to have whatever effects it's going to have. Um, and so then, and then you're dealing with the downstream consequences of those effects for longer than that, right? Like basically imagine just like, you know, this bull in a China shop, just kind of like messing up your cells and then all the downstream, you know, your body having to deal with all of that, like damage basically. And so you deal with like inflammation and all these other things for the next however many hours you, you know, we, we've, or maybe sometimes even a, a day or two kind of after is like, and, but all that is you dealing with the consequences of the outside, not the outside directly anymore. Wow. So is there long-term implications for someone who, you know, has been drinking since in their teenage years? I know it doesn't stay, the acetaldehyde is not staying in your gut, but it just seems to me, and maybe that's why like people in their forties and fifties are like, oh, I used to be able to go out and drink and feel better the next day and go run a race. And now right. I can barely get out of bed. So it has to be some long-term implications. Well, so that what you're describing there is actually less like, like the alcohol wearing you down over time and more that like your body just gets worse at handling it. Right. Like you're, when you're young, you know, in your college and, and early twenties, right. Like your, your body is just much better at dealing with damage and like, you know, like you heal faster. And, and so, so as you get into okay. your forties and fifties, it's more that like, you know, your body is just 
generally not as good. Like, right. Like the same thing as you were like, you know, break your ankle, you're going to heal faster when you're a kid than okay. you are when you're an adult. And so it's more of that that you're dealing with. Okay. So, so basically you created this probiotic that is breaking down this toxic byproduct. Is that correct? Right. Exactly. It's helping your body deal with this acetaldehyde. Uh, this gut, specifically the gut derived acetaldehyde. Yeah. And it's like a one-time thing. Yes. Right. Okay. Exactly. It's, it's, like I'll say at this, at this stage, uh, in, in, in our capabilities as uh, scientists, it is impossible for you to reliably have a bacteria seed the gut of everybody. It's, you know, we don't have the ability to do that now. And I would argue it's a good thing, right? Like you're back. Part of the deal with the microbiome is it's constantly changing. So if we're able to like sort of force something in there, uh, that would sort of disrupt the natural kind of like plasticity of the microbiome. And so, so this is just sort of passing through. So we picked a bacteria that you already eat every day of your life. It's called Bacillus subtilis. Um, it's a safe soil microbe. It's on the, the surface of fresh fruits and vegetables. Uh, it's everywhere. Um, you're constantly ingesting it. Um, and so we, and, and part of the natural life cycle is that it just passes through the gut. It's kind of floats down the river, enjoys the nutrients that are available there. And then you pass it out the other side. And so we just said that, okay, well, while you're floating down the river, like also do this one extra function of kind of mopping up the acetaldehyde. And, and you are genetically modifying this, correct? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So we took a bacteria you already eat every day, and then we engineered it. We used genetic engineering to make, to have it perform this extra function. So, so that wouldn't have happened. Right? Yeah. It didn't, it didn't do that on its own. We had to engineer to do that. So yes, the product is, it, it is a GMO. And I think, you know, it, this is like our bigger mission, which is around the idea that like we can genetically engineer things to do things that are good, that, that people want, uh, that are beneficial. Um, and so, you know, it's a tool and you can, you can genetically engineer things that are unsavory or, or have bad implications. And then you can genetically engineer things that are good. And, and I can, if we want to get into it, I'm, I'm more than happy to describe how we genetically engineer something. Cause I think that, that there's maybe a lot of like misunderstanding about, about that and what, what genetic engineering really is. And I, uh, I think and it would be helpful because yeah. I think our listeners have just here, no GMO and we're looking right, right. for the like non-GMO I mean, label right. when it comes to food. So, you know, maybe even just like the difference between what you've created and like the alleged negative consequences right. from eating a bunch of non-GMO crops all day. And even taking it a step further, I guess for me, my concern is, okay, you're introducing this genetically engineered right. bacteria into my body. Right. You know, yeah, that we don't really know much about, right? Because right. it's it's new. So well, I would maybe touch that, on that. <laughs> that. We actually know a lot about it. Uh, it's uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an important thing, right? That like I, I think that GMOs have gotten a lot of bad press because of bad use cases enabled by the technology. Um, but fundamentally, genetic engineering. So genetic engineering is sort of like I'll use as like the term for the technology that is used to make GMOs, which are like the input. Like, so GMO stands for genetically modified organism. So an organism is like a bacteria is an organism or your human body is an organism, right? So we can genetically, we make a genetically modified uh, bacteria using genetic engineering. And so genetic engineering is this tool and it can be used to make all kinds of products. And so the, the I think that the technology has been sort of conflated with some of the unsavory use cases that some people perceive about some GMOs that are out there. And then what's happened is that that narrative is kind of spun out to this idea that like GMOs inherently by the very fact that they're modified are in some way unsafe. But in reality, it's the the application that the genetic modification was put to that that could be potentially unsafe, right? So if you're making for instance, Roundup Ready corn, right? Like now this corn is is a, is able 
to tolerate more pesticide usage. And so people are afraid about the pesticide and they're afraid about the, the amount of usage in the fields, right? And all those things are things that, that are enabled by the fact that it was genetically engineered. But the fact that the, the, the sequence of DNA in the corn was changed did not make, did not affect its safety in any way. And, and, and you know, and that's yeah. well, well established, you know, and I think any scientist would agree on that. It's a question about whether or not the practices that were enabled by it make it less safe. And, and you know, there's there's lots of literature out there in both directions. And, and so stepping aside from that, um, like just the idea, though, that like the technology itself is not what creates the um, the, the lack of safety. It's it's how that the practices that it enables may or may not. Right. Um, and, and that's not to say that you couldn't genetically engineer something that was unsafe. Of course you can. Right. Like the idea is that we can move any new trait into a bacteria. So you can imagine if I took a bacteria and then moved in a trait for, you know, something that we already know to be toxic or unsafe, then obviously then I've now created something unsafe, but that would necessitate me, me moving something unsafe into it. The fact that I've genetically engineered it in itself did not make it unsafe. And so this is kind of like, one of the analogies I use is sort of like um, the idea that like you may, like a, a person may be anti-guns uh, and they, they think that guns are unsafe and that we shouldn't have them, right? And, and obviously there's a big debate about that. I think that anybody would who would argue that guns are unsafe wouldn't advocate that the technology used to make guns, so metallurgy, is unsafe that we should not that we should be anti-metallurgy because we're anti-guns right because you recognize that metallurgy can also be used to make a spoon which is a very safe product that has nothing to do with guns other than the fact that they were made with the same technology and you know the same thing with like a combustion engine right like we drive cars even though we know that there's some like inherent risk in that technology like an engine could explode or something right but like we recognize that there are benefits to the technology and to, and, and i and i think that in our food we consider that a little bit more personal and we've only seen these sort of like this very negative narrative about like very bad business practices and that's sort of being conflated with the technology itself but the technology is really like anything else is is just something that we can do now that we wouldn't couldn't do before and and so I think explaining, for instance, how we do it, I think is it will we'll shine some light on this. It's, it's not like, I think a lot of people think of it as sort of like unnatural that like we're like manipulating its DNA. And I mean, in reality, what we're doing is leveraging natural bacteria and humans and, and all living things are constantly, their DNA is constantly changing. Um, and there are many processes which happen. So when your cell replicates, you, you know, the cellular machinery that replicates it makes mistakes. And then there's other functions in, in your cell that go in and change the DNA to fix that mistake. And so that's a normal, like your DNA is constantly changing. It's a normal function. And bacteria do this, have been doing this way longer than we have. So bacteria is 3 billion years old and humans are, you know, a, you know, in the last hundred million or so, uh, you know, so it's so a much, much, much younger. Uh, and so bacteria have been changing their DNA forever. And so one of the things that we use is a, a mechanism for genetic, our, our mechanism for genetic engineering is called homologous recombination. And so not important to know the term, but, but uh, basically bacteria have been doing homologous recombination for a long time. And, and it's basically a form of bacterial mating. And so what happens is that bacteria swim around in their pond. And, and if there's a piece of DNA floating in that pond, they will, they have a process of taking that DNA, um, that, that piece of DNA into their cell and then comparing it to the sequence of DNA they have. And if it's reasonably similar, so if they find a homology or a similarity, they basically will swap out that random piece of DNA they found in the environment for a for the piece of DNA in their genome. And then, so incorporate that. And the theory on that is that bacteria are just playing a numbers game, right? There are billions and billions of bacteria and, you know, in, in this pond or whatever. And, and so if, if I take something up and it, and it hurts me uh, in some way, then I'll just die, but that's okay because there's many other 
bacteria around. But if it's some way it helps me, then I've like, I will now replicate a bunch and sort of spread that new helpful trait out. And so that's, it's this normal way of editing its own DNA. And it has become super efficient and precise at doing that. Um, and so we basically leverage the same thing. We basically just do bacterial gene editing that bacteria already do. It's a natural process. We just now understand it. And so now we can do it too. And so, so with our first product, what we've done is we basically take a piece of DNA that encodes for a gene that, uh, or encodes for, I say, a protein that can break down acetaldehyde, um, right? So this, the, so we have this protein that can, can break down this toxic byproduct and, and this protein exists. And so for us, you know, it, it matters what you move in, right? So we had to be very specific about what we wanted to grab. And so this gene uh, that encodes for this protein is present in 70% of all life on the planet. It's very common. Um, your own cells, right? Your liver cells make this gene. Um, many bacteria make this gene. In fact, even bacteria in your gut make this gene. They just don't make it enough at the right time. So we take this gene that we know to be safe, that we know your body's exposed to all the time. And we take it and we we basically like mix our bacteria in a test tube, like in a, in a small pond with this, this piece of DNA. And then the bacteria just naturally take up that DNA and incorporate it in their genome at some small percentage. And then we're able to basically grow out the ones that do. Um, and then that's our product, right? So that's genetic engineering. It's very like the bacteria do all the work. We're literally just now know that we can mix them together and that will happen and it'll happen super precisely. And then what I would argue is even better about genetic engineering is that we know everything that happened down to the single base pair. So for instance, like in the past, like what we've normally done for in terms of genetic engineering has been crossbreeding, right? Like, so you'll take a plant with red flowers and a plant with white flowers and you cross them together and you need a plant with pink flowers and that's what you want. But what happened there is basically that like you took the, you, you wanted to transfer a trait, like a function from the red flower plant to the white flower plant to give it some, to produce some of this red pigment, pigment, right? Uh, and so in doing that, you just mash their whole genomes together and all kinds of things happen. And you have no idea all the things that happened there, except for that at the end, you had pink flowers. So all kinds of other things changed. And, and so obviously you can imagine that bad things could happen too. And, and indeed they do, or, or, or undesirable things could happen. And indeed they do all the time. We see that with, with crossbreeding a lot. Well, not, I mean, you know, a, a, a fair, a lot's a relative term. I mean, like it, it's not infrequent, it happens, right? And so uh, what the difference is, is that we can be super precise. We can know, we say that only this single gene will change and nothing else about it will change. And then we can go in and we can sequence the whole genome. So we can basically read the whole code of instructions and make sure that no other unintended changes happen. So we have a lot more precision. So basically if you start with a safe bug and we only change one gene in that bug um, to have that one single function, then we can say that the bug is safe still, except for this function. And we have to make sure that that function is safe as well. Um, so it gives us a very good focus on proving that something is safe. Whereas if we were to just mash two bugs together, we'd have to start from scratch. We couldn't say that anything was safe about it because we have no idea what has changed. Um, and so, so with, with genetic engineering, we can actually be a lot more precise and we can focus our efforts on, on the safety and, and, and the inherent risks um, much more uh, in a much more guided way. Um, so, so in a lot of ways, genetic engineering is actually, and that makes sense, right? It's a modern technology with more precision. So obviously like we have more control and, and it can be safer than a, a more rudimentary and crude version uh, of that technology, which is like crossbreeding. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was, you gave some really cool explanations yeah. and like really like practical and easy to understand examples and analogies, which I think is really helpful for all of our listeners out there. And like, I was thinking the same thing, like you're just being really precise with what you're doing. And I'm just thinking down the road, I feel like this is just, we're on the cusp of more precision medicine and all the things we talked about kind of earlier on. And so I'll be excited for, I don't know, 
what's to come down the road, both for Zbiotics and other companies as well that are getting into the space that are using genetically modified organisms for the benefit of humans and health. So let's dive in and talk a little bit about the benefits, right? Like what do people, like, how do you take this? Um, how often do you have I to have take it? Right it? Here. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. And what, you know, even like, does it impact how intoxicated you get? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So great. And, great and even it says drink before drinking. Right. Proudly so, GMO. <laughs> proudly GMO. Right. Like the idea that, I love that. we we can build something with genetic engineering that creates a real benefit. Right. And, and we shouldn't be ashamed or try and I think that's a, one of the big issues, right. With, with yeah. sort of the anti-GMO movement, I think initially was a lot about transparency, right? The fact that this was in our food and nobody was telling us, right? It was being hidden from us. And so if it's being hidden, then it must be bad or dangerous. Like why, otherwise, why would you hide it? And I think that that was a huge misstep by the industry. And I would also argue that some of the use cases that it was applied to were also like unsavory and missteps by the industry. And, and so unfortunately what happened there was that a, a technology that is just fundamentally an advancement in, in our ability to do things better got sort of conflated with, with a lot of this like really bad, a lot of these really bad practices. And, and so our mission is around elevating the conversation. I'm certainly not going to go stand here and say that all GMOs are good or that GM, genetic engineering is inherently without a doubt, like never unsafe. Like that's not true, right? Like, like that, that's, you know, all or nothing statements are not true. And we talk about the art of living well, it's all about like, right? Like, like no, there's no like blanket statements, right? Everything is nuanced. And unfortunately, People don't always like nuance. They want yes or no answers. But but the truth is that like any technology there, it's a technology and it can be used to make good things and bad things. It can be used safely and unsafely. And we have to be obsessed with how it's being used safely and make sure that it's being used for good things. So that's part of what we're, we set out to do is to, to show that like we can use genetic engineering in a way that is beneficial, that people in ways that people want and, and be very transparent about the fact that we use genetic engineering to create that benefit and be transparent about what we do, that we do it responsibly and that we do it safely. So we're putting together a lot of information around that and trying to structure regulation to make sure that everything is like very clear, there's very clear guardrails and all that kind of stuff. So. Well, but, and before you even yeah. answer Stephanie's question, right. I'm curious about if your mission or your idea when you, when you set out to do this, was it to cure the hangover? Was it to just make sure the bacteria and the gut aren't getting too messed up? Like, were you really narrowing in on this from a scientific perspective or were you, were you like, Hey, you know, I like to go out and drink and I feel like crap the next day. And I want to, I want to engineer something where I can feel better the next day. Like what what was the motive? What what was your motive? I'm just very curious. No, it's a really good question. I mean, um, and, and I'll say the short answer is no, I did not go out there to make everybody's day after drinking better. That wasn't why Z-Virus got started. <laughs> um, the goal was really that, you know, the, I, I saw this opportunity with bacteria, like I said before, about this opportunity that we could engineer bacteria to have a, a to, to perform some useful function. And that was exciting to me. I And I was seeing that this biotechnology was being used in the drug industry to cure diseases. And, and uh, but it was a long way down the road. And and I thought, and my personal opinion was that we were starting with too much complexity. And I thought that we could do something simpler. And I also thought that people that as often as the case with new technologies, they usually start in the most extreme kind of use cases. And then finally, 20, 30 years later, they sort of trickle down. And then, you know, the average healthy user gets to use them. But like, there was no, there's no reason for that. Right. And, I, and I'm very, to be very clear, I'm grateful that 
people are, are, are applying this technology to really, you know, very serious diseases. And I, and I think that it's going to have a huge impact on the, on the way humanity can function and fight disease. But I also think that it can help healthy people be healthier. And so I saw an opportunity to do something simpler, like with very simple biochemical reactions, you know, a single, a single enzyme or single protein kind of executing one single function, totally agnostic to the microbiome and have a real impact on the way people felt then you know, in their, in their healthy lives. And, and I was really excited by the idea of bringing science, you know, to and putting it into people's hands, um, yeah. uh, you know, in a way that they could choose. That's the other thing, right? Like we genetically engineer bacteria to make human insulin. And we've been doing that for the last 40 years. And so if you're diabetic, you take the product of a GMO every day and it saves your life. Um, and nobody has a problem yeah. with GMOs in that scenario, but they're also not choosing the GMO. They have to take that or else they'll die. Um, and so nobody's going to die, uh, although it may feel like it uh, from the next day effects of drinking. Uh, but uh, you, so you have an opportunity to choose. Um, and I thought that, that was really important, especially on our mission. It, you know, it really boiled my blood to walk through the grocery store and see the non-GMO butterfly on everything it, it, on products that have no business even weighing in on the conversation. So for instance, if you see like a bag of wheat flour and it says it has a non-GMO butterfly on it, there is no genetically engineered wheat. It doesn't exist. Um, so all wheat flour is non-GMO. Um, and yet these brands are throwing this technology under the bus that, that they have nothing to do with in order to like sell the products. And so they're really like, you know, it's a very short-sighted uh, thing that really damages humanity, right? Like our, our ability to benefit from this technology is being hurt by the fact that people's perceptions are constantly being, um, you know, it's all this negative kind of publicity around GMOs from people who have no stake in the game at all. Um, and, and it's too bad. It's just, it's just trend, right? Of uh, this idea that that GMOs, uh, you know, are bad and unnatural and dangerous. And, and so like just sort of fanning the flames of fear for people and spreading all this misinformation is just, it's a disaster, quite frankly. And so I wanted to do something about that. And so I, and so I originally as a scientist, you know, was not as plugged into people, people like the general population's desires as I probably needed to be. Uh, so I had some objectively cool scientific ideas uh, of how we could apply this genetically engineered probiotic that were really bad commercial ideas. And so like, I sort of pitched those and kind of got a lot of glazed over eyes and stuff. And then, and, but I used to like, be like, but we can do anything like, you know, any biological function on the planet. There's so many things we could do. I list like, you know, 10 other things that, you know, so like we could even make you feel better the day after drinking and people's eyes would like light up. They'd be like, Whoa, tell me about that one. Uh, and I'd be like, that one, that was like a joke at the end, you know, but, um, but people really seem to like, and I realized that that like, that even if people thought of it as kind of a joke, they understood it. And it was a very clear benefit that like, you, you know how it feels. Um, and I also like that, that right, if I made a product that helped with that, people could actually feel the benefit, right? You don't have to take my word for it. Like, like trust me, this is helping you. It's like, you take the product and if you feel better the next day, then, then you actually, you can trust your own experience, right? Like you can go look at data on our website or whatever, but uh, at the end of the day, like, do you actually feel the benefit? And I thought if I'm gonna launch the world's first ever genetically engineered probiotic, right? And I'm going to build this new category and try and sort of elevate this conversation around genetic engineering. I should really make sure that people believe the product is actually doing something. And I thought that that's, this is a great place to start. It's a, a problem that people understand. It's a normal thing that healthy people deal with. And it's something that like they can evaluate for themselves. So that's why I started there. It was, it's not core to them. It, it's not, uh, it wasn't our mission, you know, to kind of fix everybody's next day. Yeah. Um, but but it is something that I think it was, a, it, it's a great place to start. And it's a great place to kind of introduce what we do. So yeah, and you're right. It's consumable. Yeah, it's consumable, right. and you have you notice it immediately. I mean, the next day, right? You're going right. to notice exactly. it. So it's not like you're taking it. And, oh, you hope in two months that supplement you're taking actually works, right? right? That like know, maybe standard yeah. off the shelf probiotic. It may help you, you know, with digestion. Right. Who knows? So 
And yeah. how do you, how do you even evaluate that? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so and how you feel you know, is like the best way to evaluate. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So, uh, so we're, you know, we're, we, we're building, uh, you know, this technology is very, there's a lot of things we can do with it. And so we're building more products and we have a pipeline of things. And, and our goal is to have, you know, dozens of products that, you know, help you in all these different aspects of your life. Um, and it's for people who are health conscious and focused on their well-being and their longevity and their ability to, to function at the highest level that they can. And, you know, this is not for people who wanted to get a, want to get out of jail free car. This is for people who are investing in their health and consider themselves responsible, healthy people. And I think that's a really important distinction uh, mm-hmm. because uh, at the end of the day, I, you know, the, the, the downside of the first product is it's sort of like, it could be perceived as sort of this like vice product, right? right. But um, that's not at all what it was built for. And it doesn't work that way either, right? If you go out and to Vegas and, you know, and, and you know, go crazy, you know, the product only breaks down gut-derived acid aldehyde. You're, the next day misery you feel, there are many things that contribute to that. It's a, it's a really, it's a cacophony of, of sort of interactions. Alcohol itself causes poor sleep. It binds receptors in your brain and, um, and, and affects like your, you know, the hormone levels and hormone balances around like, your, uh, the way you deal with food and, and hunger and all these, different, you know, so there's all kinds of things that are happening to the alcohol itself. Right. And then acetaldehyde is just, I mean, contributes to some of the worst misery, but like, it's only part of it. Right. So you still have to drink responsibly. You still have, you have to be the kind of person that is trying to do their best. Right. And then Zbiotics is like one more tool in the toolbox for that person who's investing in their health. And so all the products we're building are that same kind of blueprint, right? Like for people who are already investing in their health, what's something we could give them that didn't exist before that allows them to invest even better in their health? Uh, and, and so that's kind of how we think about it. I love that you're creating more products because I this idea is fantastic. And I'm wondering with this with that pre-alcohol drink, would you say there's like a sweet spot? You know, you mentioned if someone's going to Vegas and like going crazy, <laughs> yeah. they're still going to feel <laughs> crappy. But, you know... If someone's just having one drink and maybe they're relatively healthy and, you know, aren't a huge drinker to begin with, they may feel fine the next day anyway. So is there kind of like the sweet spot? I mean, it's probably very specific to the person, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's very, exactly. So, I mean, everybody's, you know, you can, you, we've all had this experience, right? Where like you go out with your friends and you all end up drinking the same amount and some people feel better than others the next day regardless, right? And and, and everybody's experience of that next day misery is different too. Like some people feel nauseous, some people feel tired, you know, whatever. And and so, and, and all that's due to the fact that your body is responding differently to the various different things that are causing damage between the alcohol and the acetaldehyde. So to some extent, there is a bit of an individuality to it. That being said, I mean, like it is, I think, I mean, the product was designed to help to, to help regardless of the situation, right? So like one drink or 10 drinks, you, you may, depending on, you know, the more you drink, the more you're dealing with the effects of alcohol itself, you may still feel something that that likely feel better with Zbiotics and without it, even in that, the sort of like that, that extreme sort of Vegas scenario, and, you know, and obviously like that for most people is usually their kind of introduction to the product is like, Hey, I'm going on a trip. I'm going to a wedding. I'm going to a bachelor party, you know, something where they know it's going to be outside of their normal range. And, and Zbox is definitely, I mean, that's the primary use case. I mean, you know, I I think that's what people, that's what people like it for. And, and, but then you experience that and you're like, wow, I feel a lot better. Uh, And then you start, what we see from our customers is they start just taking it more and more. And now they're like, look, if I know I have more than one drink, I'm never going to drink without it. Like, because you just don't want to take the risk, right? We've all had that night where we've had like two or three and still felt like crap the next day. And so, you know, that's, I, I, I envision, I think that like the best use case is to take it like, no matter what, because you never know what a night's going to turn into, or you never know how that alcohol is going to affect you. Um, but, you know, I think for most people, realistically, they're probably going to, at least at the beginning, 
be taking it when they know it's going to be a, a bigger night than normal. But yeah, I can, I, I, you know, to answer your questions. Oh yeah, go ahead, Stephanie. No, I was just going to say, I mean, you were nice enough to send up both Marnie and I product and I have used it several times now or three times. And last weekend I had those nights that I knew were bigger nights, if you will. And I wasn't going to be at home drinking my organic wine. I will say I woke up on Saturday morning. The, I'll just speak to the one instance. Both, I noticed a big impact, a big positive benefit from how I felt, but I had to wake up earlier than I thought because I signed up for a class and I it was an hour earlier. So I did not get a lot of sleep and I'm really someone that needs my sleep. And I ended up at the class, a longer class than I want that was way more intense that I had never done this yoga class. And the guy was like yeah. on me the whole time because I was like the newbie and he was like helping me and positioning me the entire time. So <laughs> I couldn't like slack in the corner and just do, you know, child's pose. And I was like, wow, my energy was I was clear. My energy was great. I mean, even normally I would feel crappier even without drinking or only having like one glass if I didn't get a lot of sleep. So I was like, wow. I mean, it was for sure Z-Biotics. I've never experienced that before where I was felt mentally and physically really good with not a lot of sleep and having drank the night before. And it was like a wine tasting. And then the same thing. And the next night I had like a birthday celebration and I had to wake up early the next day and get on an airplane. And I felt great the whole day and like drive. And, you know, I had to be like, kind of on all day. So I don't know. Those are just my experiences I'll share. I'm a big fan, so I need to order more. <laughs> and everyone, like you said, everyone's different, but. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great story answer. It perfectly, I think it's a perfect, it's exactly typifies kind of what we envision for the product, right? Like you had, you had some drinks and then you had, you had your healthy routine the next day that you didn't want to have to miss, right? Like you were able to make right. that morning yoga class, right? And like, so when we talk about longevity, yeah. that's like, that's, that's, you know, two or three more hours of, of healthy life that you lived, right. That you wouldn't have necessarily otherwise. And I think that like, mm -hmm. that is, is really what the practice for is like, it's not so much about the drinking event, right. That would happen anyway. Right. Like we're, we're, we're more about like all the things that, you know, all those healthy routines you have that you layer in every day that you don't want to have to disrupt or miss out on because of that drinking event. Um, and, and that's really what the product is meant to do is to help you maintain those healthy routines and those healthy habits, make those commitments, and, and and not feel miserable doing it. Um, and so, right. so that's kind of like core to what the product is for. Yeah. yeah. Are there people that you would suggest don't use it or any negative effects on certain people on their like microbiomes or if they're having, you know, gut health issues like leaky gut or, you know, other health issues? Would you recommend certain people don't take this product? I mean, I'd say that like, it's not meant to cure any diseases, right? And so it's not engineered to help you with leaky gut or IBD or any anything, any gut, you know, even though it's a probiotic, it's really the probiotic is incidental. It's right that that's really a chassis for this function of acidotic breakdown. It is a live probiotic bacteria. And like any live probiotic, you should be, you know, it, it's going to affect different people differently depending on your microbiome and, and your own health situation. So if you have a disease, especially one of the gut, but really any disease, I mean, a, you know, an autoimmune disease, anything like that, I mean, with any product, ours or otherwise, you should consult your doctor, right? Like we think of supplements as these things that like, oh, well, they're over the counter, so they must be safe. And it's, and that's not necessarily true for everybody, right? Like everybody's biology is different. So it's always important for you to like check with your health professional, especially if you're not like, you know, it, uh, if you know, your health situation is different. So, so that's always true. And, and the case is, and, you know, we do see like a small percentage of people, like, you know, it doesn't like, doesn't agree with them. Like, right. Like we, we have, you know, I know that if I eat like a high fiber 
you know, a, a high fiber bar or something like that. It gives me crazy stomach cramps. It's not, it does, that doesn't agree with me uh, in my biology. And, and, and this part is no different than that, um, it, like any other probiotic or something. So I, I would always, I would always advise people to kind of, you know, make sure that, that they're prepared for that. And, and it's a live probiotic, but, um, but generally speaking, no, I mean, it's, you know, this is meant for, for healthy people to engage with the product. And, and so they should, so a healthy person should be able to um, just fine. And so what, I know you've done like studies, like what's your overall customer satisfaction, if you will. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where, that's what makes me really happy as a scientist. Like say, when I started this out, it was the idea that I could put science in people's hands and like have people have like a real positive impact. And so we do see like an incredibly high customer satisfaction rate. You know, we have a hundred percent money back guarantee, which we always honor, no questions asked. And we have, you know, a fraction of a percent of our sales request a refund. And then, you know, I'd say that, you know, in general, our customer satisfaction rating is around 94, 95%. Um, so extremely high. So, you know, more than nine out of 10 people who would take this product will feel a benefit from it. You know, again, everybody's biology is different. Everybody's expectations and their experience the next morning are different. So, you know, it's not a, you know, we, it's not a drug. Uh, it's not an FDA approved drug. So it's, we can't guarantee hundred percent. It's just not how biology works, but um, we see a very high satisfaction. And it's because we're having a very specific effect um, that people can really tell for themselves. Can you give us a sneak peek of one of the other products you're developing? Well, I, so I'm, I'm keeping the powder dry on a pro- for looking to launch product number two next year. It is okay. totally different than our first product. Um, it has nothing to do with, with, with drinking or, or anything like that. Um, it is the same, but like I say, it follows the same um, pattern you know, through line, which is to help healthy people live healthier lives. And so the same customer I think is important is, this, you know, customer of first product is a customer of the second and customer of the second will be a customer of the first, I believe, but it's, it's more focused on your gut and your microbiome. Uh, so really kind of tapping into my roots as a microbiologist. Um, uh, and so I think there's a lot of levers we can pull there that are really exciting. And so we built a product for that, that we're looking forward to to announcing hopefully in in the next few months and then and then launching in the next year. So I'm really excited about that. That's we'll, awesome. We'll be, we'll be anxiously awaiting that. And you know, I think just thinking about a lot of our listeners and the overall demographic, you know, a lot of them are, are women that are in their 40s and 50s, and they're like, I can't drink anymore. Like, I really like a good glass of wine, and I've even tried some organic wines, and that doesn't do it. So I think a lot of people are going to be really interested in this and. I don't know if you can just touch kind of briefly a little bit on though the hangover, because you have a, I think there's a blog post you guys have on your website. It's just about dehydration and the belief that alcohol causes dehydration. And I think, you know, in general, we should be drinking, we shouldn't just be pounding alcohol anyway. It's part of a good, healthy lifestyle. We should be sipping it. And when we should have water and food in between and all that good stuff. But if alcohol isn't the cause of dehydration, then what what is the cause? What's going on? Of, you know, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in feeling so, so hungover yeah. the next day. Right, right. No, it's good. And yeah, this is like one of my big, like one of the myths I love to bust. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy you asked it. There's this belief that the way you feel the next day is due to dehydration. Um, and that's, you know, and it makes sense that we have this belief, right? You notice that when you drink, you end up peeing more often and you've heard that alcohol sort of causes dehydration and, and you know, a little bit more scientifically, it, it, it inhibits the antidiuretic hormone, which means that, like you don't recycle water as well and you pass it out. And all of that is true. Um, it's just not as true as it sort of made out to be like, there's sort of like this pervasive myth. Um, and that's because these companies want to sell you a product that's like a hydration aid, right? Like they give you vitamins and, and it's feeding on this observation we have. But the fact is that when we scientifically test, we actually, there's actually no correlation between 
the way you feel the next day and dehydration. So the biochemical markers of dehydration are not there I mean, significant amounts when you've been drinking a lot. And then, so we know that you're not actually all that dehydrated. And we actually know that you don't actually pee very more when you drink uh, than when you don't. So you actually pee one extra time. So there's this really cool experiment where they basically measured somebody's, uh, the amount that somebody peed uh, when they gave them alcohol versus when they gave them the same volume of water or a liquid, a non-alcoholic beverage. And basically what happens is like when the, when your blood alcohol initially spikes, you actually do pee one extra time. Uh, but then as you continue to drink, you end up not peeing more than somebody who's drinking the same amount of water. So all that peeing you notice you're doing at that bar, if you've had a few drinks, is really just because it'd be the same thing as you sat around and drink like four glasses of water or like sitting there um, is that you would have to pee. Um, and so uh, what's interesting is so, so you're at most deficit, you know, one glass of water, right? And so that's certainly not enough to make you feel the way you feel. Um, and I think you can do the thought experiment and convince yourself, convince yourself that like the, the dehydration story doesn't really make a lot of sense. Other things that make you feel dehydrated, like say like eating salty food or exercising, like those are things that we know dehydrate you. They don't feel anything like the way you feel the day after drinking, right? Like those are like totally different feelings, right? And uh, in addition, the cure for dehydration, which is drinking water, does nothing for you when you feel miserable the next day, right? Like if it was as easy as pounding a couple of glasses of water in the morning, then we wouldn't feel miserable all day. And we do, right? Um, and so so yeah. I, I think it's it's really obvious. I think if we really just think about it, but like people wanted something to hold on to, easy observation, but actually alcohol has, almost, uh, dehydration has nothing to do with the way you feel the next day uh, as, and alcohol has very limited uh, dehydrating you know, ability. Um, so, so what you're dealing with is actually the toxicity of alcohol itself and acetaldehyde. Both of them are causing different kind of things. So the body monkeying up various symptoms, systems and causing inflammation. And, and I can go into all the biochemistry, but we probably don't need to. The important thing to know is that like those two molecules are wreaking havoc and they're not good for you. And so you're right. That's not to say that you shouldn't be drinking water while you're drinking alcohol. There's so many benefits to doing that. I was just going like, to say that. Yeah. 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 Like, Don't stop don't drinking just, water. No, 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 it's still very important. Like, you know, your, your, your liver and your kidneys are working in overdrive to help detoxify. So having a higher blood volume uh, is, is very important and very helpful and supports those organs. And it also helps you pace yourself. And, uh, and generally speaking, hydration is a good thing. So if any excuse, any kind of habit stacking you can do to get more water is all, all for all those reasons together, part of a healthy, responsible drinking behavior is definitely drinking plenty of non-alcoholic fluids. Uh, and so that, that's important. You know, also don't drink on an empty stomach. Also alcohol disrupts the quality of your sleep. So stop drinking earlier in the night and make sure that like, ideally your blood alcohol is at zero when your head hits the pillow so that you can get good quality sleep at night. So those are all, these are all responsible drinking behaviors that you should be doing regardless. And then as I say, our product is meant to be another tool in the toolbox. So ideally, you also learn antibiotics and, and that'll help you deal with the gut-derived acetaldehyde and, and all the havoc that that wreaks out your body. Um, and then all together, you put all those things together and you probably will never experience another miserable day. Um, you know, not all of them are not always possible, right? Like sometimes you can't, you know, it's a special occasion. So you're maybe not going to be as, you know, judicious as you would be on another another night. But but generally speaking, if you did those things, you would, you would feel better. Right. So for every everyone listening out there, this is not the carte blanche to go out and just right. get blitzed out of your mind. <laughs> exactly. exactly. This, this is, is not just... a good agile free card. This is exactly. part of a healthy behavior. Yeah. So Zach, you know, I'm holding this up again. Where can people find these awesome Z-Biotic products? Where would you recommend? Yeah. Uh, right now, best place to find it is our website, uh, zbiotics.com. Uh, if you want to try it, like say we do have a hundred percent money back guarantee. So all you have to lose is a miserable next day. Uh, it's like a, 
old slogan. Uh, so yeah, uh, so give it a try. Uh, you know, I'm confident you'll, you'll, you'll have it. And, uh, you know, as part of being on the podcast, I wanted to make sure that your listeners would have, you know, could try it a little, with a little bit, at a little bit of a deal. So we offered, I made a, a discount, uh, living well 15, uh, which will give you 15% off your, your first order. Thank you for that. So everybody go out and try it for that special night when you're out drinking, give it a shot. Let us know what you think. Yeah. And just to clarify, you only need one per like day, basically. Yeah. It kind of right. lasts oh, yeah, for 18 hours, if you will. So right. Yeah. We didn't talk about how to one, use it, right? With every drink or anything. No, no, no exactly. So, no. So basically, <laughs> it's a live, that's the great thing about it, right? It's a live bacteria performing a function over and over again, right? So you're not, it's not just a, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't wear out as long as the bacteria are alive and in your gut and the bacteria pass through your gut for most people in about 18 to 24 hours. So during that whole period of time, the bacteria is working on your behalf. And so you drink this before you drink. Um, so that it's in there and able to deal with the acid aldehyde as it forms. And then, you know, you have your, and you just drink one and then it should cover you for a whole day, whether you're having sort of like lunchtime mimosas or, you know, evening drinks, whatever it will be. If you, as long as you take this before you start drinking, um, you're good. And, and if you take it after you start drinking, it'll help for everything after you take the product, right? So if you have a drink and then you drink Zbiotics and then you have two more, it'll help for the two more you have after, uh, but not the one you have before very much. Um, so that, that's, that's uh, the deal. And then you wake up the next day and hopefully you make those healthy, you know, habits and routines that, that you were planning to do. And it yes. does not need like to your be smoothie. refrigerated. I like my smoothie and it does not need to <laughs> be refrigerated. Exactly. So this bacteria we use bacillus subtilis is, let's say this environmental microbe lives out in the dirt and it has incredible properties that I won't, I won't nerd out on, but it's my favorite thing, but great bacteria, <laughs> very stable. Um, they pulled it out of like rocks and things from, you know, uh, you know, millions of years ago and they're, and the bacteria are still alive. And so they can, they can persist almost indefinitely uh, at room temperature and pass through your stomach acid unharmed. Uh, and then they get out of your gut, they get in your gut and they wake up out of that like resilient state and do their job. So uh, it's a really, really great bacteria. Well, Zach, this has been so enlightening. We're excited to share this conversation with everyone. And one final question that we love to ask all of our guests is what does the art of living well mean to you? Yeah. Well, maybe not surprisingly, uh, like based on what I'm talking about, it's really about balance, right? Like it's the idea that like, and the art of living well, right. is like, it is balancing, you know, the many different kind of competing things you have in your life to maximize kind of like your happiness and your wellness. And so in excess, uh, or not sacrificing one thing for another, ideally, like, so if you're going out and drinking, you know, not turning that down because you know, you have a morning workout, um, but making sure that you drink responsibly so that you can still make that workout. Uh, and so living the best of all worlds and making sure that you have you know, perfection is, is nice, but it's impossible, right? Like we know that alcohol isn't good for us, but we also know that in many ways, socially and psychologically, it can be, um, if, if used responsibly. And so, so recognizing that and allowing yourself to kind of have those things and that make you happy, um, but doing them in moderation and, and appropriately adjusting for them so that you can also do all the things, you know, are really good, like having running smoothie or make that intense yoga class. <laughs> Very well said. And I think balance is key, right? We want to live yeah. our lives and enjoy um, but we want to do it responsibly and stick with our and healthy. And get the most of it. Yeah, yeah. And stick with the healthy programs that we are all trying to follow. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much, Zach, for coming on. And we maybe have to have you come on again when you introduce your future products. We'll be anxiously totally. awaiting what those are, because I do think this is such cutting edge technology. And I love just how you're trying to add tools to people's already healthy toolboxes. And yeah. Looking forward to hearing more. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. I'd love to come back. Uh, it was really, really a blast. Awesome. Yeah. Have a great Have a one. great day. You too. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well. Thank you.